So we're talking today about what it means to be a part of the family of God, the beautiful mess it is to be a diverse family. One of the things the Bible says is that when you come to know Jesus, you put your faith in him, he adopts you into his family. And one of the other phrases he uses to describe the family of God is that we are the body of Christ. And like a physical body, that means all different types of parts that when they're working together in diversity and together in unity, the body is healthy. And so there's this connection analogy drawn to your physical body and our spiritual body. So, so let me ask you to use your imagination for a moment. I want you to imagine that you're a stomach. If you were a stomach today, what kind of stomach would you be? I mean, just let that soak in for a minute. Think about a stomach. Isn't that pleasant? Some of you are like, you have deranged thoughts about stomachs, so don't share them. Just process, if I were a stomach today, what kind of stomach would I be? There's a very specific design for a stomach. The body takes food in, stomach has muscles that jostle the food around, enzymes are secreted, Wikipedia told me this, and, and then it passes through to the digestive tract. So it's a, one of the places there's a lot of digestion begins. Imagine you're a stomach, and it's Monday morning, and you're tired from the weekend. I mean, you had a ginormous burrito on Sunday night. And you're like, I'm not going to work today. I'm a stomach, and I don't want to eat, go to work. I'm not going to do my job. I'm going to hold this burrito for myself. I mean, it's mine. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to take all the resources from the burrito. I'm keeping it for me, me, me. Or maybe you might think as a stomach, you know, I'm kind of afraid to let this burrito go. I mean, if I let it go, then maybe I'll never get another burrito again, and maybe I'll need a burrito in the future, and I won't get a chance to have it, so I've got to hold on to this burrito, and I am not sharing this burrito with any other part of my body. And you might go, man, how unhealthy would your body be if your stomach decided not to do its job, and not, and not to give what has been entrusted to the stomach to give it to the rest of the body. You see, it's kind of a crazy, whacked-out example, but I think sometimes as the body of Christ, it's how we think, we act. I think, individually, we are so self-centered and often so full of fear that that's what fuels our greed, that we think everything that we have is mine, my money, my car, my stuff, mine. And I'm not sharing it with anybody. Because what happens if? What happens if I, I never get any more? I mean, what am I going to do in retirement? First of all, it's mine. I earned it. Second of all, I'm not sharing it because at the end of the day, I got to save. I got to be ready for retirement. I got to fulfill some obligations. And there's no thought of maybe, just maybe, there's been things entrusted to you and me that's designed to pass through us onto the body of Christ. But we're so self-focused and so afraid that it doesn't happen. And that's what I want to tackle with you today. What does it look like to be someone who's greedy? And what's the downside to that? So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 12. Paper copy, open it up, electronic copy. Use our app either way. Just go into God's Word. Luke chapter 12. The Gospel of Luke, 
And here's what Jesus is going to do in these verses, verse 13 through 21-something. You're going to hear him give a warning, a warning about the purpose of life and a warning about the danger of greed. And I think it's something we all need to think and process and be reminded of. So context, a little bit of context before we get there. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, a little context. Jesus at this point has taught with so much grace and truth. He's lived with so much love and power that thousands of people are following him. And in this particular moment in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, there are thousands of people gathered around Jesus to hear him teach. And among this crowd of thousands, there are all different kinds of people. In the crowd of thousands, there are those who are there because they sincerely want to hear from the teacher and they want to learn from the teacher, and they want to be challenged by the teacher, and they want to grow. And so they're there sincerely wanting to follow Jesus. Among the crowds of people, there are those that are listening, hoping he slips up so that they can find a way to catch him and arrest him. And among the crowds of people, there are those that are just there because there's crowds of people. I mean, what do you got to do on Friday night, Bill? I got nothing, let's go to the Jesus show. And they show up among the crowds to listen to him teach those who are sincere and want to learn, those who are trying to slip up, catch him, do something wrong, and those are just following the crowd. And so imagine thousands of people gathered, and Jesus has been teaching now for a while, and at some point he pauses long enough for Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to happen. He pauses long enough, and look what happens. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? I mean, catch this. Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I mean, imagine this crowd of people. Imagine right here, right now. Somebody just blurts out, Hey, Joe, my brother owes me 15 bucks. Do something about it. I'd be like, what? Like, why? Listen, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven and truths and teaching, and you're fixated on 15 bucks your brother owes you? Jesus is like, dude, I, really? I'm not Judge Judy. I've got stuff going on. Like, we're in the middle of this talk. What, what's your deal? And instead of giving this man a verbal smackdown like I would, Jesus takes the opportunity to teach him. Verse 15 and teach beyond him to everyone. Then Jesus said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I mean, warning, right? He's given a warning and it kind of goes right through that guy to the crowds there and all the way down the ages to you and me, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I mean, who's talking about that? Who's saying those kinds of things? So you kind of sit up and, and you hear that and you go, wait, really? Life isn't about accumulating more? Life's not about more stuff for me? And Jesus is like, no. No, actually, there's so much more to life. And he's giving this warning, this warning of the danger of greed. 
the danger of greed, how it sucks us into thinking that life is all about accumulation. And here's how I would define greed, because it's a greed warning. Greed is an unquenchable desire for more for me. I mean, that's, that's greed. I want more, and it's all for me. And I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hoard it. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to use it. It's all about me. And the language that Jesus uses in this passage is like, this is a danger, number one, but it's a subtle danger. It's not like quick to present itself that this is bad, this is dangerous, this is hard, this is threat. He's like, be on your guard, because here's what greed's going to do. It's going to whisper, just get more, earn more, save more, work more, buy more, spend more. You'll be happy. Just get more, spend more, buy more. You'll be better. You'll accumulate more. It'll be good. It's this quiet danger. And Jesus is like, beware, because so quickly you will bank on what you have as your hope, what you have as your peace, what you have as your comfort. He's saying, watch out. Be on your guard against this. This is not what life is about. This is not how you discover fulfillment or joy. And then he's brilliant. He kind of drops this truth bomb on us, like the life doesn't consist of the abundance of your possessions. Beware of greed, this wanting more, and like poof, blows this bomb up in the middle of the crowd, and everyone's like, <gasps> and then he tells a story, because he's so smart. He's like, now let me explain it to you. Let me, let me tell you a story about, about what this looks like. Verse 16, he says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be, Jesus said, whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Can you kind of feel the weight of this truth that Jesus is trying to convey? This weight of, wow, greed is dangerous and there's something about it that we need to be aware of. tells a story about a rich farmer, a rich farmer that already has all he needs, he's successful in everything he's done, and his ground produces this bumper crop, crazy amount of stuff that grows this giving year. And he thinks to myself, well, what, what am I going to do with these crops? What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? And I think he makes a wise decision. I think he makes a prudent decision. I think he makes a biblical decision to say, I have all this. I've got to store it. I've got to have a place for it. So he builds bigger barns to store, in the gra store the grain. And that's normal. That's natural. That's logical. That's wise. But things turn in verse 19. He says, I have a ton more. Now I have all this stuff stored, and it's all mine. Now I have enough that will last me forever. And now I can just kick back, chill out, margarita, lounge chair, little golf, little this, little that. No worries in the world. I've got it. Eat drink, and be merry. Kick back and enjoy life. 
Doesn't that sound exactly like the American dream? I mean, that's, that's what I think about. I mean, that's what I think life is about. That's the default setting of growing up here. It's the purpose of life is I'm going to work, I'm going to earn, I'm going to save, I'm going to enjoy. I mean, that's our goal, right? That's what we all live for. We work a little, we earn a little, we save a little, we enjoy a lot. I mean, that, that's life. That's the rhythm of life. That's what we do. And Jesus is going, wait, 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 time out. Flashing lights. Guys, that's not what life is about. That's not the purpose of life. There's so much more. It does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. That's not going to fulfill you. That's not going to make things better. It's not what life is about. Because at some point, you're going to die. And then what? What happens to all your stuff? He gives us insight in this story. Guess what happens to all your stuff? Your family fights about it. You go, no, my family's healthy. We have a good will and estate planning, and there's no fight. Like, yes, your family's screwed up. They're going to fight about your stuff. That's just what happens in family because we all want more. And Jesus is saying, that's not what life is about. There's a small detail in the parable that helps me understand how we might defeat greed because we all struggle with it, right? So we can just be honest. We all struggle with being the kind of stomach that wants to hold on to everything for ourselves, not share it because we're afraid or we think it's for us. I think there's something in the parable that helps me see a little bit of insight into how to defeat or beat back greed. And it's in the beginning of verse 16. Did you notice it? It's one little phrase. You see it? It says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. It's the ground that yielded the abundant harvest, the ground. The, the ground provided this man his wealth. Oh, you go, well, he owns the field for how long? Well, he put the seed, it's his seed. He, he worked the ground. Really? Yeah, true. But whose ground is it ultimately? Whose seed is it ultimately? Whose crop is it ultimately? Whose rain is it ultimately? Whose sun is it ultimately? Who gave this guy life and breath and intellect to farm and hands to work? Who's all this stuff belong to? I mean, where things go south for this guy is there's no sense in his thought process that God is the source of all his stuff his intellect, his crops, his barns. God's the source, the creator behind it all. So instead, his purpose is work, earn, save, enjoy. And the parable in verse 20 says, God said to him, you fool. You fool. This very night, your life is going to be demanded of you. I mean, strong words from Jesus, right? He looks at a crowd of people, warns them about greed, tells a nice little story, bedtime story, tells a little story, and then goes, you fool. Why would he use that strong language? Psalm 14.1 has a little indicator, I think, of this. Psalm 14.1 says, the fool says in his or her heart, there is no God. It's the fool that says in their hearts, there's no God. So the purpose of my life is work earn, save, enjoy, because there ain't no God out there. 
Jesus says, how foolish to think no God. Because there will be a day, the one who gave you life, the one who sustains your life, the one that gives you life and breath and everything you have, will call your name. And life will be over. And what then? What takes place then? What will happen to you and to your money? Jesus said, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. You see, it's this self-centered heart that keeps us from being rich towards God. It's my, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And that sin causes us from being rich, causes us to keep for ourselves and not be rich towards God. So that phrase, rich towards God, is interesting, right? Do you hear that often? What the heck does rich toward God mean? I'm not really sure, honestly, but here's what I know. I know what it looks like to be rich toward me. I mean, don't you know how to be rich toward you? Rich toward your family? Rich towards the people you love? You know how to do that really well, and so do I. And God's like, wait, maybe your great fulfillment will come when you realize that everything comes from my hand and you can be rich towards me and that's where you're going to discover peace and joy. Is it possible for us to move away from work, save, enjoy, to wait, I can share, I can give, I don't have to hoard, I don't have to hold on to. Is it possible for you and me to believe that we're a part of the body of Christ, the family of God, where each one has a part, and there are times that things come into your life that aren't intended for just you, but to be yours and pass through to other people, to bless other people. You see, generosity means we start to see God as the source of everything, that he's given us life and breath and everything we've got is from him, and we have the privilege of stewarding it and using it for him. And it's a trap to think that it's all about me. You see, that's what, that's what sin does. Sin makes me think that the world revolves around me. And through Christ, I can have that changed. So God, and this is my prayer for me, maybe this is for you. God, show me where I'm self-centered. Show me where I think all my stuff is mine. Show me where I hoard instead of share and kill that sin inside me because it promises to give me joy and fulfillment, but what I find out is it's a chase that I never stop. And it never shows and presents and gives what it promises, so you just keep running and keep chasing and keep trying, and it doesn't do it for you. It doesn't fulfill anything. Is it a trap for you to see that Stuff isn't yours. And then there's this fear thing. You know, I'm afraid to share my stuff, and I think it's real for all of us, because I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about what will happen next year or when I retire, when I get old. I don't want my kids to have to take care of me. I mean, how many of us say that? But we give in to fear. You see, it's wise to save, but saving shouldn't be done because I'm afraid. You see, fear keeps me from being rich towards God. And that's not how God wants his children to live. He doesn't want us to live scared, fearful about the future. 
He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he brought you into his family with an inheritance that will never spoil or fade or perish or be wiped out in any possible way. And yet we're scared of sharing what's been given to us? I mean, let's do this exercise. This would be kind of fun. Let's think about this. Okay, next Sunday, I want you to bring with you your financial statements. Everybody, just, just come and, and do a little bit of work this week. I want you to just give a rough estimate on everything you own, cars, houses, whatever, everything you own and your salary, and bring that with you next week, and we're just going to review it together. Just here at Faith Church, it's private between us, just among us is Faith Church. Do you think if we added up all the money that exists in this family, do you think we'd have enough? And I'm not advocating for socialism. Like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, it's just amazing that we are the body of Christ, and each one of us is a part of it, and yet we live in fear that we're not going to have enough. When we're a part of a family, and, and imagine, imagine getting to a point as a family, as a group of Christ followers, where where abundance showed up in my life, and I thought, this isn't mine. I, I don't need to hold on to this and keep it and hoard it for myself. But maybe this abundance has been given to me that I might help and bless someone else in the family of God. And imagine if you had a really bad week or a bad year, lost your job, maybe you lost everything. Imagine if you would get to a point where you wouldn't feel ashamed to come to the family and say, I've got a need. Can someone help? Because we're the body of Christ. We're each connected to the body of Christ. And that we actually believe our Father has put into our collective belly everything we need. Everything we need. But we wonder why our body is so messed up. Because there's parts of the family of God that are obese and holding on and saying, no, I'm not letting this pass through. And there are parts of the family of God that are malnourished and are not working and are not engaged and are not moving and are not active. What would it be like? Maybe it's a crazy dream to think, wait, maybe we have all we need among each other through Christ that we could, instead of be driven by greed and fear and self-centeredness, that we'd actually learn to love each other enough to help each other and celebrate with each other and encourage one another that's crazy to think, but I, I believe that's God's design, that that's what he has for his family, that there wouldn't be a part that's malnourished and wouldn't be a part that's obese, but that we would together be able to function together. I mean, it's probably graphic to think about, but think about like if you were a stomach today, your job is to let it pass through, let it pass through, let it pass through. Take what you need and let it pass through. Just get that into your mind, and that's the point of all we have. Let it pass through, and what you'll find is you will discover health. You see, because the purpose of life isn't earn, save, and enjoy, the purpose of life, I think, is to earn, save, and honor God. I mean, it's not to not earn. It's not to not save. It's I'm going to honor God with everything I've got everything, my time, my talents, my finances, my car, my house, everything I have, it's yours, God. You gave it to me. 
I am yours. So, so let me try to put this in modern terms for you. Let me tell the parable that Jesus told using modern terms. So there's a guy at Faith Church that works for Mack Truck. He's been working for Mack Truck for 15 years. He earns a really good salary. He's got great benefits. He's starting to put stuff away for retirement. Honestly, he has everything he needs plus some. Mack Truck does so great over a number of years that they get to the point where they say, hey, we got to share some of this profit with our employees. So he finds out he's getting a $6,000 bonus. And he's never seen $6,000 in one lump sum in his life ever. And all he can do is be like, I am so hype. I got this cash. What am I going to do with it? Think of the things I could buy. Think of the ways I can invest. Think of the things I could do around the house. Never once stopping and going, God, you're the one who gave me a job. I have all I need because of you. Never once connecting the dots. God, you, you gave people the intellect to design a truck. God, you gave raw materials to be assembled and make a truck. God, you gave me this brain and these hands to assemble a truck. God, you gave me a bonus. Mack Truck didn't. You gave me a bonus. Mack Truck didn't. There's no connecting of that dot. What would it be like to see that everything we have is a gift from Him? Because it's not the problem isn't the bonus. The problem isn't saving the bonus. The problem is saying, mine. It's all for me. I'm going to enjoy it and use it and kick back. I deserve it. I'm entitled to it. American dream. Instead of saying, God, you love me and you provide for me. You've entrusted this bonus to me. How can I use it to advance your purposes in this world? Here's what I love about Jesus' teaching. So he drops this truth bomb on them. He's like, gives them this teaching that's hard and heavy and, wait, life isn't about the abundance of your possessions. Watch out. It tells a story. Here's what I love, what he doesn't do. He doesn't go, okay, now, everybody, take out your notebooks. Here's five easy steps of how to become generous. Number one, number two, number three, number four. And if you do these five things, you will have a generous heart and your life will be the greatest ever. Like, he doesn't do that. He's actually so wise to know that in a crowd of people, there are all different kinds. There are some that are listening and want to learn and grow. There are some that are looking for any opportunity to slip up and deny. There are others that are just following the crowd. But to those who wanted to hear, he was willing to lay this story out and go, does your life revolve around getting and enjoying more? I mean, is that what your life is about? Only you can answer that. Only you can honestly look at yourself in the mirror and go, what is my life about? Is it about accumulating more for me? Or is there something else? And Jesus will point things in, these things out to you and then lead you over time and patience when you say to him, God, I... I've been holding on too tight. Help me. He will answer that. 
God, I want to be more generous. He will guide you. God, I don't want to put my hope in all the stuff I have. He will lead you. He will gently walk with you and show you what it means to say, life is not about the abundance of my possessions. I am here to pass along all that you've entrusted to me. I am your son, your daughter. He will lead you and guide you into what that looks like for you to take one step closer to trusting him and being generous. Would you pray with me? After Jesus told this story, he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. And consider the wildflowers. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fade, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God, give us hearts that treasure that which is lasting and eternal. Give us hands that are open, willing to pass along that which you've entrusted to us. Give us humility to see ourselves in the mirror and be able to notice where we're self-centered or afraid. Guide each one of your sons and daughters one step at a time towards discovering life, for life is always found in recognizing you and honoring you. For when we do that, we discover peace. Help us, good Father, I pray. Amen.